Coming to you from the Philadelphia area, this is the Westchester Church Podcast. Check us out at westchestercfc.com. Westchestercfc.com. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And I mean, these were just simple, everyday people. They never received much of an education in life. And to them, it was just another long and seemingly endless night spent watching and waiting in the fields. Midnight comes and goes. 1.45 a.m., 2.45, 4.36 a.m., their eyes growing heavier with each passing hour. It was like watching paint dry. <laughs> and yet there was also this, this whole other element of anxiety and a fight or flight that came where at any moment as you watched and waited, you could hear a sound in the bushes and all of a sudden you would have to fend off a pack of wolves that, that were closing in on your sheep. And from when the sun went down until it came back up, shepherds primarily did two things. They would watch and watch and watch and watch and they would wait and they would wait and wait and wait and that's what Advent is Advent is watching and waiting for God to show up and yet it gets even worse for these shepherds though because as first century Jewish shepherds waiting out here in the field, living under the iron fist of Caesar Augustus. These were men who were running themselves exhausted on the hamster wheel of Roman taxation. These shepherds were, in every sense of the word, weary. And they were starving for good news of great joy. I think we could also say it like this is that the shepherds were watching and waiting far more than just the fields late that evening. They're watching and they're waiting for their Messiah to show up and to liberate them from Rome. And you know, that is the context and the circumstance in which all of a sudden from out of nowhere, an angel appears in the sky speaking about this God who brings them good news of great joy. 
All of a sudden, there are all these angels praising God in the sky, speaking about this God who brings peace upon the earth to our souls. And I mean, we all know what good news of great joy looks like, don't we? It was that jubilant celebration that erupted in Times Square in 1945. As in all caps, newspaper headlines proclaimed, the war is over, the war is over. After all, it was good news of great joy. It was that breathless, tear-drenched ecstasy that welled up in the heart of the slaves as they reached borderlines of a free state. This was good news of great joy. It was the look on Cloud's face that I saw just eight weeks ago as, as he stood there on Tracy's wedding day. And it was just one of those moments that I will always remember because never before had I seen such joy on a person's face. That's how happy Claude was saying congratulations Tracy and Dan. That was a day of good news of great joy. Well, we take that degree of happiness and jubilation and elation and we multiply it by the most astronomical number in the numeric system and this is what the angels are referring to when they say, listen guys, we've got good news of great joy for you today. But having said that though, here's the problem with good news of great joy, right? Really in a world such as ours, even as heaven is announcing it with angelic pyrotechnics, good news of great joy feels almost too good to be true sometimes, doesn't it? I think we've all heard the expression that if it feels too good to be true, then guess what? It probably kind of is. And how many times have we been there before where we thought that we found good news of great joy out there in the world, but eh, no. It was fool's gold, you know? So here in our text, we have an angel telling them about good news of great joy. But, but in our world, I think we are much more predisposed to this. We are so predisposed to bad news of terrible gloom. And I think a lot of times when we read passages such as this at Christmas time, you know, we weren't there. And so in many regards, our Western minds can't help but, but envision a beautiful nativity scene that has a music box. It's a nativity scene in a snow globe where the whole world is absolutely perfect and, and there's no trouble anywhere to be seen. You crank back on a handle and a music box plays Silent Night as a lullaby to us. And yet for the majority of the people living in this time, especially Jewish shepherds of all people, this was anything but peace on earth, wasn't it? As we mentioned a moment ago, they are living in a time of, of Roman occupation, which means that, that they're pretty much slaves in their own homeland. It's been said before that the average man and woman could not afford all of these heavy taxes that had been imposed on them by Rome. And yet now Caesar Augustus has just issued yet another decree. And Caesar Augustus gets to thinking, you know, we're, we're really not charging these people enough in taxation. We need to have a census 
and to get a little more tax out of these people. What do you say? We're not rich enough up here in this palace. And so this is why Mary and Joseph have, have gone into the city of Bethlehem in order to register for a census. And as you registered for a census, you would jot down your name, you would say who you were, what you did for a living, what you owned especially, because as Roman soldiers came to collect tax, if you didn't have their money for them, they would literally seize anything that was of value to you. If you didn't have anything of value, they would haul you off to be a slave in their empire. And so, I mean, this, this is a time of, of this. This is bad news of terrible gloom for these people. And yet for countless others, though, what the bad news of terrible gloom has become, strangely, is, is the very name of God himself. Many years ago in 1741, a minister named Jonathan Edwards delivered a fiery, angry sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And here's an excerpt of that, and I'm, I'm just wondering if it rings any bells to anybody here from where you may have grown up. Where he says that the God who holds over you the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, God abhors you, he says. God is dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. You are 10,000 times more abominable in his eyes than the most hateful venomous serpent is in ours. <laughs> Holy cow. You have offended him infinitely more than, than ever a stubborn rebel did his prince. And yet it is nothing but his hand that holds you from falling into the fire every waking moment of your life. And all the church said... Eh, not exactly amen, right? <laughs> and I mean, isn't it sad that for so many people, this is the God that they were handed, this. They were handed a Jesus, a very angry Jesus, who's always sucking on lemon juice, always walking around like this all the time. He's got a whip, and he just can't wait to crack it over everybody's heads. And there are a lot of people in the world who we probably know, perhaps, who... Even the mere mention of the word of God, even in good um, intentions, this is what is racing through their minds right here. And as we know, the church is emblematic of a bride, that, that, that the church is the bride of Jesus Christ. And yet when this becomes our perception of who Jesus Christ is, it takes on the idea of being um, eternally bound to this abusive husband who is impossible of being pleased. It's a husband who is going to manipulate and to beat his wife into subjection through the, through the instrumentality of, of fear and of terror. And I don't know about you, but as I hear this though, this is not my God. This is not the God who we came to worship this morning. Yes, yes, God has wrath. And yet God is also the God who loved the world so much that he would rather be executed than to see us die helplessly alone. He died to give us life. And yet as for the rest of us in the world of today, though, 
I think it's safe to say that the bad news of terrible gloom comes to us every single night on the news. Where we are approaching a second year of a pandemic. Where just when it seemed like we could see the end in sight, another variant comes along. And then another variant comes along after that and just feels like this is never going to end. This has no end to it. We're just days removed from yet another school shooting, this time in Michigan. And we're just so predisposed to seeing scenes like, like this that, that it almost seems normalized to us now. And yet to add insult to injury, this is how a state representative had responded to this news where he shows his Christmas card. Merry Christmas, everybody. Here is our family Christmas card holding the exact same weapons that just days ago killed children in the high school. If I'm a family member of one of those children or, or of any number of, of, of gunshot victims in this country, I'm seeing this, and this is not good news of great joy. This is not Christmas right here. This is not peace on earth, goodwill towards men. This is fear on earth and ill will towards men. This is bad news of terrible gloom. And so, I mean, when Jesus was, was born in the manger, yes, there, there was a music box playing Silent Night in a sense. And yet, as, as Silent Night plays on a music box, in the background, there's the wailing of police sirens. You can hear the sound of, of gunshots going off in battlefields, in supermarkets, in high school classrooms. You can hear Silent Night, but, but in the background, tears of widows splash down on the caskets that they still are not fully aware are, are occupied by their spouse. As sleep and heavenly peace, sleep and heavenly peace rings in our ears sweetly. There are scenes of, of airplanes in our minds flying into high rises in New York. As are, are all these people leaping to their death from out of the heavens. Sickness and disease ravages our earth. As all the while silent night, holy night plays gently in the background. And just the other day as that school shooting had erupted, I, I happened to read a comment made by, by a high school teacher in California. What she said is that as a high school teacher, I live with this fear in the back of my or rather in the back of my mind every day. Every time the fire alarm rings and we have to stand in the quad, I always wonder if it's going to turn into an active shooter incident. Every single time. It's like pre-traumatic stress disorder. And I mean, just like the shepherds in the fields late that night, we are still very much a world and we are still very much a people who are wearily watching and waiting in the darkness. And yet as hesitant as we are to believe good news of great joy in a world like this, here's what the good news is for us. This is what the good news of great joy of these angels is. That even in a world that's terminally sick, and as violently corrupted as it has become, there is a baby. There is a Savior. There is a Prince of Peace who has been born into our world. 
And, and I fear sometimes in the churches of Christ, we, we don't really like that word Advent. I don't know if it's because we don't want to look Catholic. <laughs> I don't know if it's because we just don't like to wait. And yet notice what the good news of great joy is in the text. Yes, he says there, there has been born to us a Savior, but, but he starts with there is a child. God has just been born into this world. And so my brothers and sisters, we can rejoice and celebrate in the manger of Jesus equally on par with the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. It's all good news of great joy, amen? And you know, it just keeps getting better because good news of great joy, as we all have experienced it, when we truly feel good news of great joy, that is something that does not go unreported. Where in the text, as soon as these angels go away from them back into heaven, we see the shepherds rush into Bethlehem and they are searching and they are looking and they are watching and watching and watching and they are waiting and waiting and waiting. But, but now what they're watching and waiting for is something completely new and exciting. And then at last, they, it, you know, they see exactly what the angels had described to them. And they find exactly what they were looking for. Where they go running up to Mary and Joseph and say, Hey, hey I know we've never met, but you're not going to believe what just happened to us. So we're shepherds and we're out there in our field, just like any other night, you know. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up and says that he's got good news of great joy for us. And he said that you're going to go into Bethlehem, and, and I just want you to look for this guy and for this woman and for a child wrapped up in swaddling cloths and lying in a donkey feeding trough. It sounded kind of weird to us, but here we are. We've been looking. And, and yet then what is registering in their minds is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So what that means is that that little baby lying in that trough over there, that's our king. That's the one who our prophets and forefathers spoke about centuries and centuries ago. That's the one who's going to liberate and to set his people free. This is the one who we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for all of this time. And before their very eyes, now it becomes their good news of great joy. And what I love about God's, God's good news is that it comes to us in many different ways. In my own situation when I was a lot younger and I, and I learned of his good news of great joy for the first time, what that looked like in my own specific situation was, wait a minute, so you're telling me that as the man of sorrows, that Jesus loved the outcast so much that, that he actually became one, just like me? That he knows what it's like to be ostracized and to be all alone in the darkness? Wait a minute, so what this means, if what you're telling me is true, then what this means is that all of that time that I spent hurting in the darkness alone. What it means is that I was never alone. That means that for all of those years, Jesus Christ was sitting in the darkness right next to me. 
And that's because he knows what that feels like. And to my absolute amazement, God has, has brought me all over the world reaching, hurting people just like me who, who knows how that feels like to be all alone and to be ostracized and to be viewed as a nobody in the world. And now all of a sudden, God has made me his angel on earth, bringing them good news of great joy. And whether you know it or not, God has made you angels, pronouncing good news of great joy as well. I'm sure that for, for a lot of you, what the good news of great joy was initially was, wait a minute, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to try so hard to be better than everybody else. I don't have to forever living and, and, you know, what I did in 1981, what I did in the past is, is now forgiven and washed away in the blood of Jesus. I mean, that's good news of great joy. And I mean, Scripture is, is full of, of episode after episode after episode of people who just couldn't help but to just blurt it out wherever they went. John chapter 4, there is a Samaritan woman at a well. And once she meets Jesus, she, she leaves everything at the well. She runs back into the city and tells her people, I think I just met the Messiah. I think about the man who used to have a legion of demons. Who for a very long time had lived in a graveyard, cutting himself with stones, running around naked, crying out at the top of his voice. And yet when Jesus restored him to his right mind and drove all of his legion of demons out of his, his soul, that same exact person goes into ten cities proclaiming good news of great joy. I think we especially think of those wonderful godly women who run out of the empty tomb of Jesus breathlessly Announcing to the apostles, listen, Jesus is alive. We've got good news of great joy for you. Jesus has risen. And I mean, when we believe that we have good news of great joy, I mean, we just can't help but, but to radiate it everywhere that we go. I mean, good news of great joy, when, when it is fully realized within our souls, that is the most infectious thing on this earth. Well, many years ago, a group of worship leaders were having lunch in a restaurant. And all of a sudden, this is what had broken out.
Man, I'm telling you, you just can't take the churches of Christ anywhere, can you? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that we literally have to, to sing at the top of our lungs every time that we go to the Outback Steakhouse or to wherever we, we happen to be. I'm not saying that. But as I watch that clip, though, just looking at the otherworldly joy in these people's eyes, I watch that clip, and I mean, that's, that's how I want to enter a room. I want to lay hold of the good news of great joy to such an extent that, that my mere presence announces to the world, God is my healer. He is my deliverer. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. Because that's what we do when we have good news of great joy. And that's because the wonder of it is, is that good news of great joy just keeps getting better and better and better as the years go by. God's good news of great joy is greater than we could possibly dream. In the very last verse of our text, in verse 20 of Luke chapter 2, finally what we read is that the shepherds then return back into their fields. But, but notice a difference in their um, energy, though. Where it says that the shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been expressed to them. I mean, they were weary when we first met them out in the fields. But now they are lighting the evening sky on fire and erupting in angelic celebration just as the angels had done earlier. Because now they've got good news of great joy. And yet as great as, the, um, as they understood the good news of great joy to have been, as we all have experienced, whoever lays hold of this good news, as I said a moment ago, it just keeps getting more and more and more wonderful. I think about a servant of a queen who was traveling through, through a desert in a chariot. And he was not an Israelite. Chances are he... He had dark skin and was returning to his native Africa. Well, in his chariot, he is reading from a prophet Isaiah as he speaks about one who was going to be led as a sheep to slaughter. And he's very early in his understanding. He didn't know exactly what that meant, who it was speaking about. And yet one of Jesus' apostles joins that chariot, Philip, and and he asked him if he understood what he was reading. And he said, well, who does this speak about? One who was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And it was in this moment where it says, and then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Did you catch that? He told him good news of great joy. He was baptized for the forgiveness of his sins. And unto him had been born that day in the desert of Gaza, a Savior who is Christ, his Lord. And just as the shepherds had done at, um, upon leaving Bethlehem, this Ethiopian eunuch returns and he goes on his way, all the way to Ethiopia, rejoicing and praising God, just like the angels. And that's because he learned that this good news of great joy, it wasn't just for Israel. Rather, it's for the whole world, as the angels had said. 
And even if he had been the only individual on the face of the earth, there was peace on earth that day. So I just want to ask us all a question as we close this morning. I just want, want to ask us and ask myself, what is our good news of great joy this morning? Is it that, you know, my college football team might win a bowl game this year? We have a Democrat in the Oval Office. Or maybe the Republicans are, are going to overtake the, the House in 2022. I mean, the things of earth are capable of relieving us sometimes and making us feel happy, whatever it happens to be. But when we make stuff like that our good news of great joy, when we look to the things of earth for our, our joy and for our, our spiritual identity, that is going to make us very sad, very bitter, and very weary people. And yet when Jesus Christ is our good news of great joy, and when our good news of great joy is for everybody who we lay eyes upon, like the shepherds, we will become the angels who bring his good news of great joy to anyone who we stand before. I close with this thought this morning. I was speaking just the other day with Judy Steininger on the phone. And she was crying as she answered. And when she finally was able to put words together, she said, I can't walk. I've been having trouble walking all week long. And, oh, I'm just so tired of hurting. I'm so tired of trials and suffering and pain. And then not long after that, she spent her birthday in the emergency room yesterday. And to our sister Judy, and to all of you, as well as to me, myself, I, I just want to say, cry those tears. Pray those prayers. Watch and wait in your darkness. Because that's what Advent is. That's the world that Jesus stepped into, of watching and waiting in the darkness. So maybe this morning you are watching and you're waiting. Maybe you are watching and waiting for your, your daughter or for your son to trust in Jesus again. Maybe you are watching and waiting for a world where children don't have to go to school and wind up in a war zone. Maybe you are, are just hungering and thirsting for a society and for a world where women don't have to suffer in silence. While the rich people brag about all of the crimes that they, they have committed in broad daylight in front of our eyes. However we are watching and waiting and hurting in the darkness this morning, let us hear the words of Jesus that he said to first century Palestine. When he announced, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest and you will find rest for your soul. So often in this life, my brothers and sisters, it, you know, good news of great joy just seems too good to be true. And yet when we keep watching in our darkness for God to show up, his good news of great joy is greater than our wildest dreams.